Matthew 22 this morning, Matthew chapter 22, and uh, it's been a wonderful week, and uh, just the Lord's been blessing, had somebody uh, saved yesterday, praise the Lord, uh, my wife and I were able to lead somebody else to the Lord on Thursday, praise the Lord, and uh, found out we're having a girl, amen, so that's exciting. And uh, warn the boys, your life's about to change. And so uh, half of them were rooting for a girl, half of them for a boy. And, um, well, I'll say, well, two-thirds were, one was rooting for a boy. And so Philip didn't know what he thought about uh, having a sister there. So pray for that. And uh, so uh, things are going well so far. Just pray for all of that if you could. All right. Uh, Matthew 22 this morning. Uh, all of us here today, we have neighbors. Uh, maybe not maybe living next door to us, but we all encounter people on a daily basis. At least we should. You know, sometimes we don't, you know, if we're ill or maybe we're uh, in an isolated place. I pray that we don't live in our houses and never see people. Amen. That's not healthy, but uh, we do talk to people. We meet people along the way, even as simple as meeting the checkout person at Walmart or HEB or um, you know, driving on the same roadway as somebody else, right? Uh, and we all have that idea uh, throughout Scripture of how we're to treat our neighbor. In Matthew 22, we see the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and how to treat our neighbors. You know, uh, I think God gave us this instruction because at times I think we forget who is our neighbor and how to treat them. Remember, if you're saved here this morning, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, and uh, this morning, and just so you know, I did cut my hand, so if you're wondering where the purple band-aids were, I cut my hand, but I'm okay. Uh, so this morning, Matthew 22, let's stand together. Uh, we're going to read verse number 39. Now, this was the question that was posed to Jesus. Uh, you know, what is the greatest commandment? What's the most important commandment? And Jesus explains that uh, in verse number 37. Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And verse number 39, if you've turned there, could we all read that out loud together? Uh, verses 39 and verse 40. So let's begin verse number 39. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I pray that you will bless our time together, and we pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, and challenge us in the area of how we're to treat others around us. You give us so much instruction in this area, and I pray, Lord, this morning that our hearts would be stirred. We thank you for the blessing of people trusting you, Lord. We pray for them as they continue to grow in you. And Lord, we pray this morning that our hearts would be uh, encouraged, Lord, and challenge us, Lord, where maybe we are weak in an area. Lord, we're, we're just dust, as you said, as your word says, you knoweth our frame. You knoweth that, you know that we are dust. But Lord, we know that you are constantly conforming us into the image of your son. I pray that we be moldable clay today and that we be willing to be molded and teachable today. We pray your blessing and we pray for thy conviction and also not so that we can be discouraged, but Lord, so that we can correct and be encouraged today. We pray your blessing. I pray that you give me the words to say this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. <clears throat> Important verse in verse number 40. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The two great commandments. One is to love God. We can't do anything without a love for God. Without, for, without a love for his word. Without a love for his commandments. And the second is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And verse number 40 is an important verse. Because on, on these two, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In Exodus 20 we see the ten commandments. The first Four commandments deal with God, and the next six deal with thy neighbor, if you want to divide it that way. Uh, but this morning, also I want us to look at this particular passage, because this particular phrase, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, appears seven times repeated in the New Testament. Now, when God repeats something once, we need to pay attention. But when God repeats something seven times which is the number of completion and of perfection. Uh, when God repeats something seven times, don't you think he knows we're going to struggle with this, right? We're going to struggle with loving our neighbor as ourself. Uh, the golden rule, treating other people how you want to be treated. So how do we treat our neighbor this morning? Brother Cole, I don't know if you could turn my lapel mic down just to hear it's a little bit loud. Thank you. So number one this morning, we're going to look at love thy neighbor. How do we treat our neighbor? We're to love them. As a preacher, you don't know the neighbor that I have. You don't know the person that, I, uh, that cut me off this morning. You, know, uh, you don't understand. And as we see this command, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Am I too quiet now? Am I, too, I, sound, I sound quiet. Am I too quiet? Am I good? All right. Just, we're good? Perfect. Okay, good. I guess my, my ears are ringing a little bit. It's okay. <clears throat> When I can't hear myself, I get worried. All right. All that we should do and all that should be done should be out of a love for God. Amen. The first commandment, the greatest commandment. Then when our love for God is full, it will flow out into our treatment of others. So if we're not treating others right, let's be honest here, it's because maybe something isn't right between you and God. Because that love, if we're not full of it, it's not going to flow. As a preacher, my love for other people is not flowing today. Then we need to get a full dose of love from God. Uh, so who is my neighbor? This is the question. So number one, so if we could go turn to the next slide, please, Brother Coe, that would be great. Luke chapter 10, turn over there. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 36. So the question was posed to Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Because this is a synoptic of the same passage in Matthew 22. And it said, this is how you're to, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And someone willing to, wanting to justify themselves. Uh, so, well, who's my neighbor? I don't know who my neighbor is. Right? Ever run into that with your children? You tell them to do something? Like, well, I don't, I mean, you know, tell them, uh, you know, go take out the trash can. Well, what's a trash can? Right? And, you know, that kind of idea is going on here. I said, well, who is my neighbor? You know, I can't tell. How am I supposed to know? Then Jesus goes into the parable of the Good Samaritan. How that a Samaritan man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, and that he was beaten and robbed and left for dead. And then first we see a, a priest come by and look at him, and one who was of the religious system, who should have a love for God and to love his neighbor as himself, just looked at him and said, that's too bad, and walked on his way. And then the Levite came by, and he saw him, and he passed by on the other way, because he is an unclean Samaritan, and he probably thought he he was dead, didn't get close enough to see if he was alive or dead. So he passed by on the other side, just gave up on him. But then, not a Samaritan man, sorry, a Jewish man was on the side of the road. Then a Samaritan came. A Samaritan, now remember, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. 
The Jews considered Samaritans to be half-breeds. Wouldn't let them come into the temple to worship because they were unclean ceremonially. And so the Samaritan, who had every right to be bitter and upset at this Jewish man he didn't even know, decided to what? He decided to bind up his wounds and to put him on his donkey and take him to an inn and take him to the hospital, basically, and see him healed. And so the question is asked to this group. Jesus asked a very, very important question. Luke 10, 36, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And what was their answer? The one who had compassion on him. Can I tell us something this morning? We as God's people ought to show compassion on everyone. Learned about that the other week. And the following principles of how to treat our neighbor, not only our physical neighbor, one we we live next to, even if they're right next door a mile down the road, uh, but not only that, our brothers and sisters in Christ, amen, they are our neighbor, right? Uh, The answer to the question, who's my neighbor? Everybody's your neighbor, amen. We live on planet Earth, they're our neighbor, a stranger, our enemies. So this morning, let us be challenged by Scripture, So we're going to look, so first, love thy neighbor. So let's get this idea out of the way first. We need to love others as we care about ourselves. Don't we take care of ourselves, amen? Uh, We take care of ourselves. We uh, have uh, uh, the idea that we're going to uh, take care of ourselves also. Isn't it great when we're treated right? Have you ever gone into like a business or a car dealership? I mean, they're treating you to the nines. I mean, can I bring you a cup of coffee? You know, here, have a free chocolate, you know, and make, man, we're being treated nice, right? I know I drive by the Toyota dealership and there's ladies day where you go in there, get your oil changed, get a manicure and, and all of that. And, and, uh, uh, I was looking at that. And I was like, man, they must have some, a lot of people come in for that. You know why? Cause they're being treated right. And isn't it great when we're treated right? Well, you know what? We're to treat other people the way we would want to be treated, even if they don't deserve it. Because as we have this idea, the human condition has this idea. Well, I will treat people that way that are worthy of being treated that way. Can we just time out for a minute? Remember, we're unworthy of God's grace and compassion, but yet we have it anyway because it is the gift of God, because God loves us. That's the same kind of love we need for other people. We have a love for God that is unconditional. He loves us unconditionally. We have that agape love, and we're to show it to other people. Well, this morning, well, how do I do that? How do I show? How do I love my neighbor as myself? Repeated seven times. Well, the first thing we need to look at here is, uh, number one is love. And number two is we need to tell the truth. Now, Exodus 20 is where we're going to start here today. I'm going to go through several verses, but we can go to Exodus 20, verse number 6. We need to tell the truth. Simply, don't lie about your neighbor. Amen? Uh, Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't lie about the neighbor that lives next door to you. You know, uh, we all can have interesting stories about uh, maybe our neighbors in our neighborhood, uh, right? And by the way, as God's people, we ought to be a good neighbor. We ought to have a good testimony in our neighborhood, amen? 
Amen. We ought to have a good testimony. Uh, we ought to try and do our best to be good stewards, to take care of our property, uh, to not cause problems to our other neighbors, right? Um, that we, you know, we shouldn't be letting uh, our dogs or our animals get in our neighbor yard all the time. You know, it happens sometimes, but, you know, if you let it happen all the time or they go bite your neighbor or do something like that, uh, that's not being a good testimony. But it says here, Exodus 20, verse 16, Thou shalt not bear... False witness against thy neighbor. What does that mean? Lying about your neighbor. Accusing him of doing something that they have not done. And as the idea of testifying in court, yes, I saw them over here stealing that chicken. Or I had that, I saw them do this. And I'm going to bear witness that they have done something wrong. Either lied or they have stolen or done something. And here, thou shalt not bear false witness. We ought not lie about our neighbor. Amen. Deuteronomy 5.20, Neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor. Leviticus 19.6, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. So we don't need to lie about other people. Amen. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me. Uh, it's amazing how quick... People will lie to save their own hide, all right? Uh, and especially in the world we live in today. Uh, I'll never forget this. Uh, as I was driving uh, down Rosewood, some of you know this story, but I was driving and I had a young lady on the left-hand side uh, on one of those e-bikes, okay? And she was in the, on the sidewalk and uh, she came off the sidewalk and she was going in the opposite way of travel, which you're supposed to do. And there's a middle turning lane there. So I saw her and I'm going the speed limit. So I'm like, okay, you know, situation where I'm seeing that. So she kind of pulled off. So she was, I was maybe here. Maybe she was maybe at the end of the building, a couple hundred feet away, 100, 150, 200 feet away. So she turns to the middle lane and she kind of goes middle lane and she looks over her shoulder and she's trying to head to a street across my lanes that is off to my right. So I said, oh, she sees me. And she kind of looked over her shoulder. She saw me. And then she decided to race a car going 35 miles an hour. That's only about 200 feet away. So she ducks in front of me. I said, I'm going to run this girl over. So I slam on my brakes. I turn. And I decide to, uh, instead of run her over and kill her, to hit the curb on the corner there. And uh, missed a telephone pole on one side and a fire hydrant on the other, other side. And, you know... Ripped my transmission out of my car, but I'm there, and I, you know, took the stop sign out. My airbags didn't go off or anything, and so I opened the door, and she's right over there, and I just look at her very calmly, and I was actually surprisingly calm. You know, ever, ever surprise yourself sometimes, like, well, you're actually really calm about this, and I just looked at her. I said, there are better ways to cross the street. And I said, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. And I go, well, I'm glad. I said, I'm glad I almost run you over, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> you know, so I'm, well, you're, it's only a car. You know, I'm glad you're okay. So she goes up the street, and uh, her parents live a couple ways up there. So I call the police, let the police come, and the police say, what happened? And I had a, a, a lady that was going the opposite direction that said, I'll be a witness to you to the police because it was all her fault. I almost ran her over, and, and, uh, and she went up to the girl, and, you know, she wasn't angry. I said, but, but you be glad that this man didn't run you over. He sacrificed his car to save your life. You better be thankful. And I'm like, it's all okay. And, and so, but what happened is a period of time, so the police officer talked to me and got me. I said, okay, kind of obvious what happened. And then he goes up and talks to them, and he comes back. And uh, he said, you know, and he just, he's upset. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, they, uh, they said that she was crossing the street safely and you were speeding and it's your fault that this happened. 
And I was like, well, sir, he said, they can say all they want. I said, but I told you the truth. And he goes, oh, I know. So he went back up there. I mean, and I think he, uh, he was upset. And I said, very, you know, hands like this. And he pointing at me and, you know, pointing over here. And he pointed at the parents. And, and you know, uh, at the end of that, and I'm just over there at my car. And I was like, well, I, it's unfortunate, you know, because uh, it was the dad especially that wanted, you know, that it was my fault and everything. So she got a ticket. And at the end, I was getting in the vehicle. My wife came to get me. And, uh, and I was getting in the vehicle. So I saw the gentleman. He kind of had his head down, sheepish, kind of avoiding eye contact with me. Right? People that lie to you, you know, lie about you tend to do that, right? So I went up to him. I said, hey, I'm glad your daughter's okay today. Uh, I said, you know, what I was doing, I was just putting the gravestone on my daughter's grave today, so I'm glad you can take yours home. I said, I gave him a track because I wanted to bite you out to church. Now, in the flesh, I didn't want to do that. I was like, how dare this person lie about me? I just, you know, did all of this, sacrificed my car, my car's being towed away, and they lie about me. But you know what? As God's people, we are not ever to do that to lie about somebody else to justify ourselves. Usually we'll lie about somebody to cover our own sin. We need to speak truth with our neighbor. Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't lie about what they said about it. Don't lie about what they did. It doesn't matter if it's a complete stranger. Be honest. Also, here's the second point. Don't lie to your neighbor. Don't lie about them, but then also don't lie to them. Zechariah 8, 16, these are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. We need to speak truth to our neighbors. Amen. And that includes the truth of the gospel. Amen. And that we go to them and we try to talk to them and form a relationship with them. And you know what? I say, well, I, you know, I'm a Buddhist or I'm this or I'm that. Don't tell them, oh, well, that's okay. You're on your way to heaven. That's telling them a lie. You know that's not true. Amen. They need to be shown the love of Christ and the compassion. It's like, oh, you do this. Oh, that's fine. You know, it doesn't really matter about that. No, we need to tell our neighbors the truth in love about his religion, about his true position. Also, don't lie to your neighbor about yourself. You know, sometimes we like to exaggerate. Right? Oh, yeah, I've, you know, we tell them about all the things that we used to do and these, that, and the other things. and Or maybe you... Um, you did the dreaded deed. You borrowed your neighbor's tool, right? And you borrowed your neighbor's tool, and, you know, it, it broke. And, uh, you know, you give it back to him broken. And then uh, he looks at, you know, he says, hey, I noticed that my tool is broken. I don't know how that happened. That didn't happen with me, you know. And so be like, oh, that's that's terrible. You would be surprised how many times Christians do that. Amen. Uh, you would be surprised. You'd be surprised how many people times people do that to the pastor. Okay, and it's just it's it's amazing to see that happen. And you know, and there was a time that uh, during our big freeze, the first one we had a few years ago, as I needed a pex crimper, couldn't find him at the store anywhere, and my neighbor just happened to talk to him about it. He goes, "Oh, I got one. I can." lend it to you. I was like, are you sure? He's like, oh yeah, I don't need it. Lend it to me. Well, in the process of time working up, Sarah got lit, lost in the insulation. And he asked for it back. And I was like, well, I said, I lost it. I'm being honest with you. I bought him a brand new and nicer than the one that he had. I said, hey, I bought, bought you brought, 
buy a brand new one. I lost it. I'm sorry. But you know what? I was honest about it. We need to be honest with our neighbors. And, oh, I gave it back to you. Didn't you get it? Oh, someone must have stolen it, right? Uh, we got to be careful. Proverbs 24, 28. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without a cause, and deceive not with thy lips the truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen. Our, we would do be a whole lot better in our society today if we just told the truth. Amen. But if uh, we were made to tell the truth about everything, that would eliminate most of our news and most of our entertainment today. Okay, that would eliminate reality TV. Okay, even, you know, have you ever thought of this? You know, you know, you see, you know, Bear Grylls trying to get out there and survive and different things like that. Have you ever seen the pictures of behind the scenes? They got like six, I'm out here alone, you know, surviving. He's got six cameramen with him. Okay, that's not reality TV, right? Anyway, so first thing is tell the truth. Well, third thing, be content. Look over here, Proverbs or sorry, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Turn over there. Hebrews 13, 5. Be content. Be content. Is what was that? Well, okay. Pat, preacher, you lost me here. I need to love my neighbor, and I need to tell the truth. But what does being content have to do with my neighbor? Well, a lot, actually. <clears throat> we need to be content with what God has given. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Hebrews 13, 5. He said, let your conversation be without covetousness. Covetousness is desiring what someone else has, seeing and desiring and having the idea that why don't I have that? And be content with such things as he have, for he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now I mentioned this on Wednesday. That this has the idea of being content when things are getting a little tight. When the pressure is on. Right. Uh, And not desiring, you know, you don't have as much food as you wish you had, but you have enough. Man, you have God's provided. He always promises to provide our need. But when we start wanting things and wanting the security, when we begin wanting things, then we can begin to covet. Well, it seems like this person over here has all this. Why don't I have that? Uh, it seems like, you know, I go, you go around and it seems, you know, Christians are struggling and people, but then the lost, they seem to be prospering. You know, then David asked, I said, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? He said, why do they get to get away with it? But I'm over here struggling. And I say, be content with such things as you have. Because don't ever, ever think that God is not going to provide for you. So I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to forsake you. Yeah, things are getting tight. Yeah, things are, you don't know where things are coming from. Maybe your vehicle's broken or something's going on. But, you know, be content with what you have. It's, I'm going to provide for you. Because when we begin to be dissatisfied and discontented, then we begin to covet. And that brings us into the next part. Exodus 20, verse 17 says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Just in case the other categories weren't inclusive. Now, we get the idea. If you look at your neighbor... Now, it doesn't necessarily mean your next-door neighbor or anybody. We look at that. You know what? Uh, you know, I, I like cars. You know what? I like working on cars, fixing cars. You know what? Uh, ever, uh, you know, maybe you like a certain type of sports car. It's like, oh, yeah, it's my favorite. You know what? And what can happen when we begin to look at those things? Like, man, you know, I wish I had that. 
you know what? Uh, you know, can I just tell you something? Most people that have those things are up to their eyeballs in debt, okay? Can I just say that? Um, most times they, they owe more. They aren't going to be able to pay off that car or their house or anything in the next 40 years, okay? Now just be honest about that. Sometimes you have people, they pay for it cash. That's great. Uh, but it's amazing here today, uh, especially uh, in a few years ago when there was a lot of soldiers that were deployed and they get their, you know, their lump payment you know, tax-free and they come home and they buy a brand new you know, Mustang GT or they bought a brand new Charger or a challenger, and it's amazing. You go to some of the poorest neighborhoods in this town, and then you go in one of the trailer parks. You know, things are falling apart. They got a brand new BMW sitting there, but they live in a house that's falling apart. Like, where's the priorities? That's where covetousness will lead you. Don't look at what your neighbor has. Don't look at his wife. Don't look at another man's wife. Don't look at anything that he has nor anything. So don't look at it and say, well, I deserve that. I want that. Why don't I have that? But what? Be content with such things as you have because if we're honest, we have a lot today. You need to be content with your wife, with your husband, with your children. Covetousness can take many forms and we need to be content. That's because it is a sin against God and also it's a sin against your neighbor to covet what they have. But not only that, what is the progression here? We need to be content, but if we become discontent, we become covetous. But then Deuteronomy 19, verse 14 says this, uh, We're to not covet and steal anything from your neighbor. It said, Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they, which they of old time have set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. What is it talking about here? Is that this was, remember, the law was given before they went into the promised land. So when you get there, uh, don't move the landmark. What is that? The land marker. Uh, don't dig up that stone. It was a stone or a type of marker that would divide a parcel of land. Don't move it over here so you get more land. Don't steal because you want, you know what? I really love that, that, that row of that vineyard. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to move it. I'm going to be dishonest. And, oh, yeah, and your neighbor comes, you know, wasn't that marker over there? No, that was always over there. It was always, always there. Why? Because he coveted in order to steal from your neighbor. We don't ever to do that. You know what? We don't not ever to covet. By the way, our neighbor includes the government. You'd be surprised how many Christians just tweak that tax return a little bit just to get a little bit more. You know what? They're not really going to check up on me. They're not really, you know, I could just put down that I made a little bit, five more thousand in because it puts me in another bracket. Or a lot of times, like, you know, I can just tell them, you know what? I, yeah, I, ha I have W-2s for this amount, but, you know, I can just tweak it by like four or five thousand dollars and then I get to that lower tax bracket and then I, my earned income child tax credit gets more and then I get a bigger tax return. It, it, it's okay. It's stealing. Pure and simple. Those in ministry shouldn't bend the rules around to try and get more. You know, well, because I'm in ministry, I deserve to have more tax breaks than other people. The government gives some, but you know what? You need to be honest. Don't bend things around to steal things from the government or steal something from somebody to be dishonest. When you're selling something, make sure you give a full disclosure of what is wrong with it. Amen. I just tell everybody everything. 
you know what, I, I do my, sometimes I forget some things. You know, I, as I sold my mower the other week, and they called me up the other day and said, hey, it's blowing black smoke, what's wrong with it? I, said, I have honestly no idea. It didn't do that for me. I'm, thank you, Lord, I sold it. Right? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, you know, thank you, Lord. But I didn't, I, I told you everything. I have no idea what's going on with that. You know, and I, I thought to myself, well, I want to make sure that I didn't forget something that I was not maybe not trying to be dishonest, but I didn't disclose everything. I said, no, I told them everything. It's like, well, that's no problem. You know, we'll get it fixed. Be content, but be honest with people. Don't steal from your neighbor. Don't steal. I better hurry. All right, I'm running out of time here. I got to fix that clock because that clock's throwing me off. All right, number four, be tenderhearted. Be tenderhearted. Last point this morning. We'll hurry through here. An important biblical principle, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Turn over there, Colossians 3, 13. Be tenderhearted with your neighbor. Forgiveness. You know what? We can get upset. You know, sometimes, especially when we're driving, you know, aren't you, isn't it funny how many times, you know, we need to have compassion and love people, but then when we get in the vehicle, we forget about all that. You know, they cut me off. You know, this is my part of the road. The law's on my side. You know, you can't be doing that and everything. You know, they're driving erratic in different things like that. You know what? They're just an idiot driver. They, where are they from? New York or something? You know, you know, where, well, what's going on here? I can say that I'm from New York, okay? But anyway, but you know, or from Massachusetts or something like that. I'll tell you what, you go down Route 2 in Boston, Massachusetts. You want to see your life flash before your eyes? Go drive down there. Anyway, 70 miles an hour on a 40 mile an hour road and there's a little on-ramps. You know, we have humongous on-ramps here in Texas. An on-ramp, the length of this auditorium, okay? And they have a yield sign, and they have never seen a yield sign before in their life. So they go through it, make room for me, I'm coming, right? And, all, and you notice in that part of Massachusetts, all their bumpers are dented, and you wonder why. Anyway, <coughs> you know, we, we do all that. So, well, why in the world they do that? They're driving right, cut me right off and everything. You know, well, they're just not paying attention. They're on their cell phone. But what could be happening, maybe it was a, a woman crying through tears because her husband just left her. You don't know what's going on with people. Amen. We don't know. We need to have compassion, but we need to remind ourselves of that. Be tenderhearted. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye forgiveness. You're saying I need to forgive that person that cut me off? Yes, but also the person that maybe hurt you, maybe the person that didn't treat you right, maybe the person that was dishonest to you, that didn't treat you like they ought to treat you. You need to forgive that because a warning against bitterness. Leviticus 19, 17, 18 says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. By the way, which is a result of bitterness. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Leviticus in the law. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Don't hold a grudge against them. Well, I remember when this happened. They sold me a defective donkey. I remember. I'm never going to forget them for that. They knew that donkey was lame. They knew that they were getting a deal for that thing. I'm just going to, I'm never going to forget that. Ever, ever hear that? Well, I'm just never going to forget that. You know what? I'm just going to, they did, they did me wrong, and I'm just never going to, I forgive them, but I'm never going to forget it. Can you know what? Can I just say they're 
polar opposites here. When God forgives us, what does he do? He remembers it no more. He doesn't hold it to our account. Does God remember everything? Absolutely, yes, but he chooses not to hold it against us. If when we forgive someone, we don't need to hold it against them, okay? Now, if you, bear, if you give your neighbor a tool and then you, you find out they went and pawned it, okay, <laughs> you know, uh, when they come and ask for a tool again, you know, maybe you could give it to them, but give it to them with some conditions, okay? Don't let this one end up at the pawn shop, okay? But, you know, there are times, yes, we can't, we don't need to be foolish, but at the same time, the Bible says if, if your neighbor asks, don't neglect to give. But, but, but. Also, do not think ill. Don't be bitter. Don't think he'll, Proverbs 3, 9, devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Do not think he'll, you know, how can I make his life miserable, right? You know what? Uh, they had that dog barking all night long. What can I do to him tonight to make sure that dog doesn't bark? I'll put a little bowl of antifreeze out there or something, you know. You know, people do kinds of weird things. Don't think ill against your neighbor, especially your Christian neighbor. You know what? Y'all are sitting here in the auditorium. You're all their neighbors. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, don't think ill of one another. Also, don't devise ill, but also don't think the worst. You know, sometimes we can get in that mode. We just think the worst about people. Something goes on. Oh, I know what's going on now. Yep. I know what. We have a whole story written, right? Ever have that happen? No one's ever done that. I have a whole story written and ever had the story. Then you get mad at your own story. You don't know. You don't know any facts. And then you're just here, you know, this happened. Oh, I know why it happened and the story and their motivation. And I'm angry about it. And they need to ask me to forgive them. When do you, right? Can we, can, can we not do that? All right? And don't guys, I'm like, well, ladies do that. Oh, men do it too. Right? We got we to gotta be careful. If we don't know someone's motivation, we only need to judge the motivation if it comes out of their mouth. Amen. We need to be careful about looking at other people's motivation, why they did something. Well, just because you wouldn't do it that way, many times we project our own way of thinking and what our own motivations are on other people. Don't think ill of people. Amen. It's easy. Oh, the devil wants you to think ill of everybody. But you need to love your neighbor. Let me ask you this. Would you like that same person thinking that about you? Well, no. Then don't think it about them. Well, doesn't that just apply to doing and saying? Yes, but it says also, it said think. Not, don't make devices up. Don't think ill things about your neighbor. You know why? Because then you're going to start making decisions based on what you think. Also, do not be quickly angry. Proverbs 25, 8, 9. Don't be angry with your neighbor. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. So two things going on here. So what's going on here? In that you get upset about something and you think you know what's going on. Right? That somebody said something to somebody else about you and then you heard about it. Can I just tell you right there? Just time out when that happens, right? Because changing of one word, ever played the game telephone? I play. Oh yes. Well, and to illustrate this, my brother uh, was in Sunday school when he was young, when he was maybe about five or six years old, and so they had a line of about eight or nine kids, and my brother was at the tail end of the line. You know, the person at the end of telephone is just the, the worst. You know, they get they get get 
blame for everything, right? But they said, so the teacher whispered in the ear of the first kid, God loves you and I. And so it gets passed down, passed down, you know, passed down. It gets down to my brother, whispers in his ear, and his face gets kind of like, okay. And the teacher goes, well, what, you know, what did the message say? <laughs> and he had this look on his face and God has one eye. Right? God, they say, God has one eye. What happened? Those are some words that got lost in the middle there. And you'll know, say, well, do you know what so-and-so said about you? And then you get mad, and then you go to your neighbor and get your finger out. And say, well, how dare you say that about me? And said, what does it say here? Be not, let thou know not what to do in the end thereof, that you don't, you have heard misinformation, or you think you know what's going on, but you really don't. When thy neighbor hath put thee to shame, and that when the neighbor, your, your person you're accusing, you go to them, and then they say, well, this is actually what happened. And then you're saying, they're going, oh, I'm sorry. And what, you feel like an idiot, right? So it puts you to shame. It said, instead, what does it say here? Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. You know what happens, right? Oh, didn't you know so-and-so said this about you? I just wanted to let you know. Oh, I can't believe that, that they said that. What do you think they're saying that for? Then that person that told you, you can tell them, well, you know what? I got some things to say about them. You know, I got some things to say about them. I can say this and that and everything. And said instead, and you go around, you know what? This is the other person, how are you doing? Well, I was doing fine until so-and-so said this about me. Can you believe it? Can you believe they said that about me? Oh, that's terrible. And then that person, you know, it's so-and-so. Before you know it, 10, 20, 30 people know what that person said, and it was misinformation to begin with. And said, what do you do? Go debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. So don't be a talebearer among thy people. And say, you know what? I just wanted to let you know. Brother Scott went over this in Sunday school this morning. You know what? I said, oh, I just wanted to let you know. You need to pray for so-and-so. You know what? They didn't want me to tell anybody, but I can trust you. By the way, if those words come out of somebody's mouth, stop them. Put your hand up so I don't want to hear it. If you were supposed to keep a secret and you were supposed to keep it confidential, I don't want to hear about it. Amen? And so, well, because you know what that does? You're like, oh, I'm special. They, get, they trust me, right? No, they're a tailbearer. And they're dangerous. And you need to shut them up before you get into sin. Amen? All that, does that happen? No, that never happens in churches at all. Never, that never happens. Never, it happens. So we need to know what to do when that time comes. So this morning, do we treat our neighbor correctly? Are we loving him as God loves that person? I said, preacher, you don't understand. My neighbor is pretty unlovable. You know what? Uh, you don't understand. You know, they blare their their music and they're up all hours of the night. I really don't. I want to love them, but they make it hard. You know, they put trash in my yard, you know, or this or that. Or this person, you know what? They laugh at me every time I mention God at work. You know, they're my neighbor, but I have a real problem. And that's why you need to pray and ask God to give you that grace and that compassion to love them. What does the Bible say about our treating our enemies? He coals a fire upon their head. There are 32 verses in Scripture that talk about how to treat your neighbor in the Old and the New Testament. Do we live by the Bible about how to treat our neighbor, or do we live by our own set of rules? 
And that really, that's every area of our Christian life. Do we treat our neighbor? You know, that's a study right there. 32 verses. That's a lot of instruction. Separate verses dealing with separate things. That's not even counting ones that repeat the same thing over. A lot of instruction. How are we treating our neighbor? Maybe there's some things we need to get right with God this morning. Maybe there's some things that we need to get right with our neighbor that we've done wrong. Maybe there's some things in our heart that ought not be there. Let's let God point it out and shine the light of his holy word, but let's respond to it today. Let's not let the light shine and say, well, I'm just not going to deal with that today. Oh, now I know what's wrong. No, now we need to fix it, and only God can fix our hearts. Amen. He can heal. He can fix. And so this morning, Lord, challenge you. Please respond to him. Let's pray.